coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. Sometimes when you're in the woods, especially alone, even if it's a small forested area, that feeling of being watched, sylvan dread. Sylvan dread. What causes that? Is it just all the living creatures are insects are looking at you, so you're picking up their morphic fields? Some have suggested low-frequency sounds from large animals. Or are there sometimes predators in the forest that are invisible to our senses that are just waiting for a snack? Sounds just like fairy experiences, fairy mm-hmm. lore that goes back pagan era, right? Yeah. Where you had these entities that could basically lure you. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Pan too with the reed pipe, right. lure you into the wilderness or wherever, away from others, and then abduct you, take you into the fairy realm, this other dimension, whatever you want to call it. And then sometimes you can come back, you get missing time, sometimes you don't come back at all. Well, the question is what happened? Like during that time, was it a ping pong match or was it something more? <laughs> Interdimensional ping pong. I really hope that's what it was. <laughs> What's interesting to me is that similarly to Missing 411, specifically with the Nishi, you have these attributes where they search the area for this missing person, and then they find him in that same spot, sometimes maybe wrapped around a tree or draped across a log where they'd find just piles of clothes. These are attributes specifically of the Nishi, like specifically here, what happens to you if you do get taken by a Nishi? One idea is that you're completely devoured. There's no trace left behind except for your clothes. Right. Victims scooped up, dropped on the tops of trees left to be discovered by searchers. This sound just sounds so similar to that. Yeah. Not to say that that's what is causing the missing 401 phenomenon, but it is definitely an interesting parallel. Definitely an interesting parallel. I suspect that, that we are amongst a massive cornucopia of interdimensional entities that are just We're like an ecosystem. in a sea of things exactly. that we can't see. We only have so many senses, you know? I mean, there's so much we don't know yet. I really hope that there are just like uh, happy clown entities that love when we laugh. <laughs> and they go, pa 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 pa. They feed on our they're joy. They're feeding on our joy. Oh, I like you that. Know what I mean, they're just like recycling. Well, they're not <laughs> very good at their job. <laughs> Synchronicity, Sasquatch, Homunculus, Alien Races, Satanism in Hollywood, MK Ultra, Tartaria. There's like a whole. I've been watching this one guy. Like, Close the door, it. Jury, close your door. What's the uh, Inner Earth Disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman, Bohemian Grove, Corey Feldman, Magicians are Demons, Specters, Spirits, Sleep Paralysis, Strange Disappearances, Sky Whale Phenomena, yes. Alternative History, Shadow People. Shh, quiet, I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf Towers. I would never talk about it. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. 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 Oh yeah. Well, hello, hello. 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 Welcome to the show. Thank you, John. <laughs> Welcome to the show of laughter and fun and mystery. Yes, all of those things. It's a good description. Mm-hmm. I'm your host, Jeremy. I'm Chris. And I am John. We are all three your hosts together in one. We are brothers indeed. It is true. Brothers in need of a girlfriend. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So it sounds like you guys went to the gym to maybe get some muscles. To we, were, meet well, we were running late. You were literally running late at the gym. Yes, very true. That's true. I was on the elliptical. You really giving it my business, you know? And yeah, uh, giving it my business. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, that's why we were late because we get to the. I walk into the shower and it's one of those situations where it's really busy, packed, and um, so I go over to my locker, just getting ready to get in the shower, clean off my bod, and then this guy walks in, very like you know, I'm here guy. 
You know, mm-hmm. like here's my presence and I'm now entering this is my locker room right. kind of guy. Yeah. You know, big buff guy. Claiming the area. He c- gets right next to me and he's belching in my face. And he's literally like maybe a couple inches from me. So I'm just getting my stuff ready to go. This is after the shower or before? This is right before the shower. Oh, but I realize he's preparing to go to the shower. Oh, there's fun. like two, yeah. there's two spots together. left. He's right next to me. So I go back out and I'm like, Jeremy, can we like go somewhere else to shower? <laughs> like leave the like building. Shower home. Like we have time to get home and shower because I just, the energy of this man. Why was he saying that stuff? Was he doing it to like intimidate you? Or? I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes people just say like, especially in locker rooms, guys will just talk to themselves, but it's just to absorb part of the yeah, space. Right. You know? Well, and normally it wouldn't bother me, but I could, I could already tell there's something wrong with this guy. Like that sort of energy. How old was he? He was maybe in his mid-20s. One of these guys that just seems like kind of, you know, cock of the walk kind of guy. Yeah, so Chris comes out and gets me. And I, so I come in. I don't know who he's talking about, right? Because I haven't been in the locker room yet. I go into the locker room, and there's just this dude, you know, completely naked, which is fine. You're supposed yeah. to be but he's he wasn't when I left the locker room. I'd come back in two minutes later with Jeremy. Buck naked, just standing there, like, oh, checking God. his phone. Yeah, he, no, he, this is what he was doing. He was looking at the screen, watching a 90s music video, <laughs> just yeah. staring with his eyes glazed, looking at the screen, just with completely naked. Wang dangling. And he's, like, probably within, like, two or three feet I mean, of, like, other dudes just yeah. trying to get ready and stuff. He's just like, yeah, I'm here. There's no room. There's no room in there. And also, he is, like, buck naked, not even socks. Just, like, he really wanted to feel the room. Good Lord. And, uh, yeah, so then we get in there, I'm like, I can't. He's probably a fan of the show. He's going to hear this. Oh, sure. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the most hilarious part for me was, uh, so I'm standing there just trying to get my stuff out and get ready and like but standing between like, you know, these uh, nuded up bench bros, you know, hanging nuded out. Nuded up? And they, they're all, <laughs> what they're, does that mean? Will you be nuded down? In my mind, it was just like a jungle of like these just buff dudes oiled up, which is fine. Like I'm not uncomfortable in the gym, but it was one of those moments where it was just the perfect storm of ridiculousness. So I'm standing there and I go to pull my uh, pants out of the locker and I hear this music. And of course it's my my phone playing my playlist whatever mm-hmm. and I didn't have time to pick out the coolest you know playlist <laughs> was for it the, like for Yanni or it's Kenny saxophone. G it was oh, Men at Work up. Men at Work was playing who can it be oh my god that's it was so the funny. lamest song I didn't have time to pick out the coolest music I was just in a hurry hey that's a great song I'm standing there with my dad shorts and Bigfoot t-shirt on listening <laughs> with Men at Work blasting out of my you're like surrounded by naked Adonis yeah. men. So I was like, I gotta, you know, get out of here. Did they look at you like you were a sad excuse? I think for they were man? ashamed for me. So they just, there was no eye contact. <laughs> Who can made. it be now? You know, I don't, I don't have a problem with song. I don't have a problem with like guys being naked in the locker room. It's a locker room, right? Yeah. But what bothers me is like, it'd be different if it was like an old dude at the YMCA who's just like, yep. his, his, he's just giving up. His yeah. thing's dangling. Like, that's just, you don't, you're from a different time, different generation. You don't, you don't get that like yeah, personal and space. You don't care anymore. Right. It's weird when people do that because I know what we're talking about. You're and it's posturing. Like, it's an it's insecurity. Like no no one that really like, I don't know, when they, people act like that, they're obviously trying to project. Right. So they have some other, ins- they have like a masculine yeah. big figure. So they're making up for whatever. Well, yeah, that's all part of the package. Yeah. And that, I mean, obviously. Quite literally. <laughs> it's good to be obviously in shape and strong like we three are. But when, you, when you're in the gym <laughs> and it? you- uh, you're kind of obnoxious yeah. in a subtle kind of way. Well, I mean, there's the, there's, it's a gym, so yeah. those personalities are there yeah. for sure. Nuded up bench bros, man. Anyway, but I'm glad we went. Nuded up. Now we're strong and healthy. Nuded up bros. <laughs> bench bros, man. What are we talking about today? Well, we were going to initially do um, some simulation theory stuff, and it was just too, it felt too dark right now in today's world to talk about more being in a box. But what's funny was we were talking right as soon as we were scrapping the original idea. Oh, yeah, this was weird. Trying to figure out what to do. Loud bang in the apartment. Like, what was that? And uh, looking around, and then I'm walking through the living room trying to figure out what happened. This book fell. Like, right as we were trying to figure out, you know, we're debating well, second weird. plan. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, I guess we're doing this. And I've been wanting to do this Why since do you I think got that it. would happen? What is the synchronicity for that? 
Well, we were we were trying to pick out a show topic, and Chris was no, debating I know that. But like, why? Like, if that was the universe telling you to do that, I wonder, like, what's the reasoning behind that? Who knows? Subtle. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe there's a story that needs to be told. Yeah. Or it could be, because we're, as we're going to get into this book, first of all, by the way, this book is called... You threw that a little too I far threw away. too far, I can't reach it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Come on. He's fishing it back with his headphones. Indiana Jones. <laughs> headphone lasso. <laughs> That was so, like, such a weird attempt to do something. <laughs> it wasn't even close. He threw his headphones at it and tried to reel it in with no way to attach it to the book. I thought gravity would help. Okay. I want to see Chris on, like, Survivor Man. Or, like, alone. <laughs> this, is a, this is really a fantastic book. I read almost every single word of this book. Uh-huh. Um, you would, normally, when I'm doing an episode and I'm using a book as a resource, I'll kind of jump around, look for interesting stuff. But this one was so well-written and so... You read the whole thing? Almost every single page. Um, You're a fast reader. Well, I started last week. The book is called Disembodied Voices, True Accounts of Hidden Beings by Tim Marchenko. Are these, like, the Glimmer Man things? Or? Yeah, it's funny. It definitely ties into Glimmer Man. It ties into Missing 4 and 1 heavily. Yeah. And, you know, maybe... I mean, it's possible. Maybe we were supposed to do this episode because there is, at the end of this, sort of like a guideline of things to avoid going into the woods. He talks about the lure, the trap, and the lost. So this is kind of like a siren thing where people, Very much are, so. some people are lo- being lured. Exactly. Absolutely. And it's fascinating because his journey into this research started because of an experience he had. And we're going to start the show with that experience. But... He wanted to know the name of what this was. And looking into it, he realized you hear stories and accounts of people hearing a disembodied voice, um, maybe luring once in a while, but it's always a part of some other phenomenon, like UFO abduction or a ghost in the attic where you hear a disembodied voice. He wanted to find out what this could be, something specifically in the forest wanting you to join it in there, tricking you and trapping you and never be seen again. So that's that's what started his journey. Right. So he had that specific experience, and I— found it interesting when I read a little bit of that book that he didn't want to um, come out with his story right away because he didn't hear anything else like it specifically. Like that something calling your name from the woods, right. feeling that feeling of like trying to lure you in. And he thought if he came out with it and talked about it, it would just be ignored or, you know, poo-pooed or tied in with some other phenomenon. So he, right. he waited and he researched years and years and wrote yeah. this book to define the specific experience and phenomena. Yeah, that's exactly right. He spent you know, over the course of the past 17 years or whatever it was, going to libraries, uh, research centers, talking to people who had these experiences. And it was hard, he said, to find people because he talked to people around the world that had this experience because it is a global phenomenon, this sort of, uh, and they call it by different names, but tricking people into the woods for whatever motivation, whatever purpose and end result. But it is a scary proposition, but it could explain a lot of the missing to play a game of ping pong. Yeah. <laughs> Alone in the forest with a ping pong ball? They just have ping pong tables and they just needed a teammate. That is an odd <laughs> thought. <laughs> For some reason, ping pong. They like get disappeared and then they just, there's this opening in the woods and there's just a ping pong It's like table. a multi-dimensional ping pong tournament. Just, it's like Mortal Kombat. It's a weird oh, yeah. instead, of, instead of combat, you get pulled to Mortal Ping Pong. Mortal Ping Pong. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought we could start with his story because it is... It's a fascinating encounter that he had, and I think it's relatable because it's a very relatable scenario. He wasn't in this experience, wasn't in the wilds of Africa or South America or even deep in like the Canadian forests. Uh, He was in his yard, much like a lot of our listeners have experienced warm summer night, 12 years old, playing basketball by yourself, sun's gone down, amber glow of the light, the house light. It reminded me of you, John, the scene. 
It's just like a kid just shooting hoops by himself, you mm-hmm. know, after dark. And it sounds about the same time period as when we were growing up. So it definitely oh, okay. very relatable when, when I was you were juggling. Story. Should I should I pursue basketball or soccer more seriously? Or my singing career, or your singing career, my modeling career. career. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's about that time. And this, so this kid, I think you'll relate to him. Okay, so it's picture yourself. You're 12 years old, just playing some ball in your front yard. You know, some allotment, but you're butted up right against this forest area. Mm-hmm. Um, not too far away from you. Recently, his dad hung up a chain link, so you're hearing that chain hit as the ball goes in or miss, mm-hmm. depending on how good you are. Um, but it's one of those those nights, the amber glow of the light. So that's when he has this experience that alters the future of his path in life and what he spends the next 17 years researching to find out, to put a name to this thing. So, John, if you want to begin this, his story. At the moment, I was completely alone. It was a few minutes into my solitude when I heard three digital beeps in succession. They were coming from the forest at the end of the driveway, just ahead of where I was standing. That was odd, I thought to myself. Someone must have lost their pager or something in the woods. I imagined my father's work pager that he clipped to his cracked leather belt. It was the closest I could get to describing what the beeping sounded like. It got my attention for a moment, but after a sequence of approximately three beeps, I ignored it and went back to my basketball game. It wasn't long before my game was interrupted again. There in the dark forest, an unidentified voice called out to me. Its cadence was very stilted and mechanical, a kind of limited pre-recording I could understand. Even though the voice did not flow as a normal human's, I could tell it was male. Being the only word spoken for some time that evening, it felt abrasive to the stillness. It called to me by my first name and immediately got my attention causing me to collect the ball and take a step toward it. After it called to me a few times, I felt compelled to answer. After all, it addressed me like it knew me. But also I thought it might have been my father. Like I said, the voice was male and somewhat familiar, but I wasn't 100% convinced if it was my father or not. Sounds like a weird dream. Mm. To be unable to make this distinction in itself was odd, After I responded, it came back with a simple request. It was inviting me to join it in the woods. Come here. I did not budge. It became clear to me that it sensed my hesitation because it then offered a good reason to come after it. Come here. I found something. Instantly, I thought of the beeping noise. Could it be my dad in the woods who had found the pager or whatever the source of the beeping was? It was not so far-fetched. What is it? I shouted back. Come here. I found something. Follow my voice. As if to further convince me, the device I had heard gave off a few more beeps. This is creepy. Yeah. That was convenient, I thought. I considered the situation and knew that my father would not be walking in the woods at night. I was now feeling uncomfortable and suspicious of this voice. Why don't you come here, I asked. Then after a long, eerie pause. Tim, come here. I found something. Alarm bells went off in my head. Not only was this the exact phrase that I was first greeted with, but it was said in an identical way. Whatever was out there, its vocabulary was very limited. The voice kept repeating the same phrases again and again without any change. It was unable to answer my questions or venture too far into a conversation. Is it Siri? 
<laughs> I do not understand. <laughs> As if it had only pre-recorded a limited selection of dialogue. It was this fact that stood out as the brightest red flag to me. In my mind, I was trying to picture the scene that was unfolding in the woods. A device on the ground, my father standing over it. I kept asking myself, what could it be that my father found? Why wouldn't he bring it up to the house to show me? Every question I asked presented me with the same chilling answer. It was not my father. Come into the woods. You've got to see this. I've got to show you something. I realized that I was nearing the end of the driveway and that the toes of my shoes now touched the pressed gravel road that separated me from the trees. I had no memory of stepping that close to the edge, toward the thing. Seeing this made the alarm sound in my head. I peered into the forest but could see nothing. It was completely black. Nothing moved. Not a single insect chirp or a scurrying critter was heard. I stepped back toward my house for safety and into the amber glow. The voice remained undeterred and called to me over and over again. I decided that the mystery of the beeping was not worth disappearing over and that this was some kind of vile trick. I would ignore it and get back to my basketball shots. After a while, the voice gave up and the forest was silent, but not before I heard the same three electronic beeps again to signify that the whole disturbing episode had come to an end. My suspicion and awareness kept me alive that night, and afterward my fears were confirmed. When I saw my father soon after, he walked right past me and didn't acknowledge the incident. I ran up to question him. Well, what did you find? I asked. What? He replied. He turned slightly, waiting for an explanation. Weren't you calling me, saying you found something? I asked. No. A terrible chill ran down my spine. What if I went after the voice? Would I ever be seen from again? I honestly don't think so. From that night on, I had the disturbing feeling that something supernatural was after me. It would take me another 17 years until I would finally be able to learn its name. To do this, I have had to cover all aspects of disembodied voices in order to eliminate what I heard on that night. By doing this, I have come across some startling similarities and interesting parallels from around the world. Yeah. So that is the story that basically Freaky. started it all. Yeah. yeah. And that started his path down this road of research for the next 10, 20 years. I definitely related to that. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. you can just totally imagine, especially at that age where not everything's really explained to you yet. Right. There's a lot of mystery still in the world and it's like you're not sure... If you were like older, I feel like it would be more like instantaneously don't. Right. right. Yeah. But yeah, that age, right. I'm yeah. sure like it could be, you don't know the evils of the world either yet mm -hmm. fully. Yeah. yeah. And you're also, I feel like you might be more open to the mysterious at that age mm -hmm. um, with less of fear of death. You know, right. like more interested in the, you might be interested in the mysteries of the world. That's like what I mean. We you don't mm -hmm. know the danger, the, the dangers, the reality of, things, of yeah. yeah, exactly. Like how many kids actually do go missing every year. Exactly. And things are new at that time. Like you're, first of all, what is he, 12? You know, he's out at night, so he's, it's like, he's not quite yet, you know, a real teenager in high school where he's mm -hmm. distracted by all these kinds yeah. of things, but he's staying out past dark by himself, shooting hoops. It's kind of in this weird time where you're, you have a little more independence, you know, but you're not quite out of the protective arms of your parents. Mm -hmm. you know, right. You still kind of have this protective sheen, but you're seeing more of the, the... Charlie sheen? 
Yes, John. Thank you. See more of Charlie Sheen. <laughs> You're seeing a lot more of Protective Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that's in my head, and I just picture him like in, in his room at different times. You're seeing more of Charlie Sheen. Maybe Martin. No, but. This protective layer of that your parents provide. You know. Charlie Sheen's just the protective layer. <laughs> like Sorry. every year you see a little more of him. He's got the tiger blood. He's just in the walls. Oh, man. This would have been Wild Things time period of Charlie Sheen. Yes. So you're seeing more that. of his films, right? It would have been. It was the 90s. Yeah. So he's mm-hmm. seeing more of those movies. Or 80s, late 80s, maybe. Anyways, the point being, yeah, you have a little I'm bit a of this. Warlock. A little bit of this independence. What? Remember he said he was a warlock? I don't remember that part. Remember the tiger blood? He had thing. an interesting time at the end there. Yeah. That was a strange period in his life. Anyways, sorry for interrupting. But yeah, so it's that time period, right? Mm-hmm. A little more independence. You're going from child to man. Yeah, and you're experiencing some of that mystery on your own, but you still have this safety net where you don't really understand the dangers of the world. Right. So it's this kind of beautiful time that I miss very much. Yeah, exactly. So he begins this path of research, and I thought we're going to do some more stories later on in the episode, but I thought... Would just to get a taste of some of the things he discusses in his book, and some of the things that will sound familiar because we've covered it here before. Uh, and I thought it'd be a good place to start to be the Pan connection. Remember talking about Pan before the Greek god Pan, the mischievous little horned hobgoblin, trickster satyr. Right. Fella? So yeah, the Pan aspect is important to talk about in relation to this phenomenon of well, first of all, forest. Right. That's a big part of this disembodied voices, of course. And I should mention this real quick. This book it doesn't just cover the missing four and one sort of aspect to the disembodied voice. He goes into detail about disembodied voices in relation to God speaking to people or disembodied voices uh, in relation to people who have, you know, psychotic episodes or people who are like voices in your head. Right. Or even outside your head. Mm -hmm. He also goes in deep about times where disembodied voices have helped people, save people's lives or family members' lives. Uh, But for our purposes, we're just going to be talking mostly about the, the luring, the trap and the lost. The thing that- The trickster. Nefarious kind of purpose. Right. Exactly. Unless it's ping pong. Right. <laughs> I really hope that's what's happening. Um, this yeah, interdimensional ping pong nice. tournament. So <laughs> crack the code. So Pan's important to talk about because he, in some ways, fits a lot of the aspects of this concept, the, a trickster living in the forest, right? Being part of that area. So we get this from his book here in his research. The Greek god Pan was said to be a caprine-like forest dweller, which means goat-like, uh, who tricked passersby, leading them off the trail never to be heard from again. So that sounds... Like it fits oh, the yeah. bill there. He's often referred to as, quote, the God heard but not seen, which applies here. Oh, yeah. History tells of travelers hearing his reed pipe behind the cover of the foliage and his screams and cries, which are described as terrifying rather than seeing his face. The reed pipe is said to emit a powerful, luring song with hypnotic qualities. Travelers on roads lined by bush would hear the tune and follow it off into the neighboring hills. It was said that he gave such terror that those who would enter the woods would panic, which is from the root word of the god of the same name. So panic comes from pan. This idea of this overwhelming sudden fear in the woods comes from pan. To panic in the true sense of the word is to have an overwhelming and irrational sense of fear in wooded areas. The phenomenon has been reported for hundreds of years, though not widely recognized. There was a time when every unknown sound in the woods was blamed on pan. These uncertainties caused much discomfort in groves all over the world. It is known as, and this is a cool term, Sylvan Dread. Sylvan Dread. And Sylvan is comes from the, the previous god, the Roman god, kind of pan god. Well, Sylvan means, because actually it's this weird synchronicity is the topic we're going to be doing in the expansion. Sylvan means um, it's that calming peace you get when you enter the forest. Right. Right? And then so Sylvan Dread would be experiencing dread in those kind of still moments mm-hmm. than when you're in those wooded places. Right. Well, Sylvan is like a beautiful 
glade kind of thing. Um, it can be brought on by a snap or an unseen twig or the feeling of a concealed presence, which is significant because this is something that comes up while in a wooded area. It can be initiated by mere silence, shadow, or loneliness. It has been described as the undeniable feeling of being watched or followed. It is the gut feeling of being in immediate danger without knowing why. So we yeah. talked about this before, that feeling of sometimes when you're in the woods, especially alone, even if it's a small forested area, that feeling of being watched, you mm -hmm. know, and like what causes that, you know, is it just the idea that there's so many living things that you can't see that are just tucked under roots and behind leaves? Is it the feeling like maybe- you know, morphic field. We talked about morphic fields before, like when you someone's watching you, you know instinctively there's some sort of energetic field that- lets you know is it just all the living creatures are insects are looking at you so you're picking up their morphic fields is that i mean that could be it some have suggested low frequency sounds from large animals as a possibility of causing this or are there sometimes predators in the forest that are invisible to our senses that are just waiting for a snack yeah. i mean i do think that, that morphic field idea right we hear all the time and i mean dogman encounters but all kinds of situations where people had that sense of dread. And a lot of times they felt that before the encounter even started, before right. they saw the thing. And that happens with other animals too, like animals that we can actually look at in the zoo. Right. right? Um, predators, those kinds of things. Yeah. And to wrap up the discussion about the, the Sylvan Dread, I just wanted to read a couple experiences that, that people and authors in the past have had throughout history uh, experiencing this, uh, this unexplainable Sylvan Dread. So while reminiscing of his time in Malaysia, George Maxwell observed this feeling and tried his best to describe it. Jerry, will you go ahead? So little do you see that the feeling comes over you, that you are alone in the midst of mysterious hidden things. The feeling that immediately follows this is that these mysterious things are not merely hidden, but are specially hidden from you. Yeah. The circle that moves with you is the veil built up against you. You could imagine that you were a trespasser or that all events were regarded as such. Then you have the horrible feeling that from behind the tree trunks, watching eyes are looking upon you. It is bad enough at any time if you are alone and all is quiet. It is worse as the sun sinks and light fades. It is worse if by any chance you happen to know that you have lost not only your way, but your sense of direction. And not far from this, Marchenko says that Henry M. Stanley had a similar experience bringing back travels of adventure and rescue on the African continent. He says, Our clothes, suited well enough for open country, were no protection against the hostilities of the bush. But if once we absented ourselves from camp and the voices of men died away and we forgot our miseries and were not absorbed by the sense of the many inconveniences, an awe of the forest rushed upon the soul and filled the mind. The voice sounded with rolling echoes, as in a cathedral. One became conscious of its eerie strangeness, the absence of sunshine, the subdued light, and marveled at the queer feelings of loneliness, while inquiring, looking around to be assured that this loneliness was no delusion. It was as if one stood amid the inhabitants of another world. Yeah. I just thought that was an interesting thing. You could feel that. Basically saying like, are we sure we're alone here? Because now that we're you know, not distracted by just the inconveniences of being out here in the wilderness, the silence here, looking around, there's no one here. Why do we feel as if there are many things here watching us at this moment? I just thought that was interesting. Yeah. And North American natives to the West were not immune to such feelings either. They also had pan-like figures. Between the valleys of California and Alaska lies a rugged, dense wilderness of untouched and uninhabited land. 
To the Indians, these dark primeval forests are the home of all things, fearful and to be avoided. There they lie, wave after wave of forest, and forest clothed hill, oak and alder and fir. Worse things still, Cyclopean Smolankos. <laughs> One-eyed jointless fiends who run along mountainsides swifter than the black-tailed deer. Pans and dryads and hamadryads, gods of the woods and the groves and all the waterfalls and the running streams. All these haunt the country out of sight of salt water. Laugh as you like, chief of King George, an Indian once said to me when pressing him to join me in exploring a portion of the great forest. But as long as there are salmon in the stalo and deer in the swuchas, you will not get me to go with you there. Says Robert Brown of the Peoples of the World, Volume 1 from 1882. Yeah. So it sounded like, uh, according to him, that they feared this thing, this pan-like hidden entity more than more than bear and right. the wolf. And we're not going to get into every aspect. I mean, this book, uh, the way it's written is is so wonderful because it weaves you through these stories and then these this research. Very similar, I feel like, to the way we do our show where it reaches through history, touches right. on nodes of different uh, elements of the same phenomena in different cultures and yeah, aspects and exactly. tries to pull together to a single phenomena. Right. And to, to sum up the pan stuff, um, the Leshy is another example. We talked about that, I think, in a previous episode. Basically describing the same thing, like a horned hobgoblin-type thing that lives in the forest and leshy, takes that's, children. That's Slavic, isn't it? The Leshy? Yeah, that's a Slavic sort of thing. And I'm not going to get into the death of Pan. Maybe someday I'll tell the story because it's it's a really fascinating, to me, a really fascinating concept, the death of a demigod. It's the only time this has happened. It's been recorded as if it were a historical occurrence. And right. we have a time period of like um, 14 CE to 37 CE, right around the the ending of sort of the, the pagan expanse of belief and right as Christianity is coming into play. Well, it's interesting. It relates here because when Pan died uh, or supposedly died, it was a, it was like a captain of a boat, someone on a boat, crossing a, a sea who was called to by a disembodied voice. Right, from the they forest. called him by name, said Thanos, or whatever his name was. Yeah, uh, there was an Egyptian guy on this boat, and they're traveling on this body of water to get to a city, and they're passing an island. As they pass this island, I don't have all the names here because I wasn't going to tell the story, but really interesting because they hear yelled from across the water this guy's name to get his attention, and then the, then the voice says, Tell the people, the great pan is dead. So when you get to this next island you're going, so basically like, okay, he wasn't sure if this was legit or not, or if, you know, we should even share this. Who is this voice calling? They end up leaving it up to luck or fate or whatever. And if the wind doesn't blow them further down their course and we happen to go by this island, we'll stop and tell. So eventually that's what happens. And they yell to the shore, say, the great pan is dead. But the point being, the question is, was the voice, was this pan? Because he was often experienced. You couldn't see him, but you could hear his voice. Right. Was he tricking people into thinking he was dead so he could slip out the back door as all the other gods died to the conversion <laughs> of Christianity? Right. And he stayed in the darkness. It's an interesting the- idea because then you, have, stretching out from this, you've all this global accounts of entities that are described exactly like Pan, just under different names. Was he under the, the cloak of obfuscation? Obfuscation? Obfuscation. There you go. Anyway, uh, that's a good spot for a break, but uh, yeah, let's take a quick break. Fascinating stuff, to be sure.
Okay, we're back, everybody. Welcome back. So I thought we could get into some more accounts that sound similar to what's going on here, at least in some way. Similar to what happened to the author, Tim, right? Right. Um, this this first one, uh, he actually mentions in his book, and then we I went back and I found the original account mm-hmm. on Coast to Coast. The um, Oh, yeah. The recording of the woman who, oh, I think it was an open lines. That was a strange story. Um, he writes her account really well, if you read the book. Um, this is her from her own words. Right. Get it from the horse's mouth. Right. Live on the air with... Uh, George Norrie. Yeah, it's interesting that the story is, it actually happened to her when she was only five years old. Right. She's, I think, in her 60s at the time of the recording when she calls in, but she remembers it like it was yesterday because it was such a bizarre and strange experience. It happened to her in uh, Cincinnati, Ohio in 1955. Yeah, this story, it feels very familiar to me. And it reminds me of, you know, we've done stories before. Like dreams. Like, you know, the Big Bird, remember that one, John? Mm-hmm. Big Bird in the closet talking to the child. The idea of like... Have some chips. Right. Creepy, something pretending to be what it's not. It'll make you feel good. This reminds me of that. And it ties into this phenomenon in a way that something that's luring you. Right. Especially with children because it, it comes in the form of an anthropomorphized, you know, like an animal or a, right. a, a puppet or something. Yeah. Super creepy. Well, let's play the clips. People know what we're talking about. Okay. Here's Elaine and the mouse. It's something that's bothered me my whole life. I'm 66 years old. I was born in 1950. And when I, when I was five years old in Cincinnati, Ohio, where I was born at, we had a big family, big extended family. And for some reason, I was in, our whole family was over at my aunt's house and great big long table and everything and all kinds of people were going to have dinner. For some reason or another, I just needed to go outside. And and I, I, just, I just needed to go outside, even though the dinner was almost ready to be served for all these lots of relatives. Uh, I went outside, and this makes absolutely no sense, but I went outside and Back in their backyard, which was a pretty extensive backyard, I this makes no sense. I'm almost embarrassed to say it. But there was uh, something calling to me that I needed to come there out in, in the grass. The lure. When I got there, there it was. It was a little mouse in the grass in the backyard. And it just looked up at me, and we made eye contact, and I put my hand out, and it crawled up into my hand, and then I don't remember anything after that. Weird, yeah. My next recollection was just simply like I was waking up from a something where all of a sudden I was just there, and I was walking in the door again. I think I lost maybe two hours or something. Like fairy abduction. Because I walked in the, the door and then then every everybody was like uh, washing dishes and cleaning up this whole dinner and everything. The whole dinner was over with. I missed dinner. And what makes really no sense is what parents would, you know, just let their kid walk out the door and not worry about where they are for an hour. Five years old. The whole table was That's empty weird. and they were just still clearing stuff off the table. That's really strange. And then everybody said, well, where, where have you been? So you missed the whole dinner. So uh, sit down and we'll, we'll figure out what we can give you what's left over. And I thought, that's really weird. You know, I'm a five-year-old girl. And why are they saying, 
They didn't know where I was through the whole dinner. That's weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Almost as if there were some sort of... Uh, like a spell. Su- suggestion. Yeah. yeah, some sort of technique to get them to... You know, you hear about this That's kind of thing creepy. all the time. Yeah, like just sort of this like brainwashing that happens. Right. Like the cast over the eyes right. like for the next, oh, it's fine, don't worry about and it. And at the same time, she has this... Missing time. This allure to mm-hmm. go out there and then this sort of... What do you, what do you call Satan. that? Uh, what do you call that? Uh, Satan. Yeah, Satan. What's another word for that? Uh, a fake memory. A uh, what's the Implanted term? memory. There's a term for it. Um, it escaped my mind. Right. Anyway, it's yeah, it's it's that that fake memory uh, when they drop the cloth over, make you imagine something. You're seeing something that's right. not really what it is. It's an injected memory. Right. A screen memory. That's the screen that's the memory. Oh, that's right. Like so the owl with the alien. That kind of thing. Satan. Right. Or yeah. Satan. Joe. Or Satan. <laughs> Maybe, you know, he does get into that later towards the end of the book, you know, could this all be, it's something he said he's considered too. Are these all aspects of one dark master? Like that's not out of the realm of possibility as well. well yeah, I mean, it, going back to like, I mean, it sounds just like fairy experiences, fairy mm-hmm. lore that goes back pagan era, right? Yeah. Where you have the Celts believed that you had these entities that could basically lure you. Mm-hmm. It sounds like Pan too with the reed pipe. Right. Lure you into the wilderness or wherever, into away from others and then abduct you take you into the fairy realm, this other dimension, whatever you want to call it. And then sometimes you can come back, you get missing time. Sometimes you don't come back at all. Well, the question is what happened? Like during that time, was it a ping pong match or was it something more? <laughs> Interdimensional ping pong. I really hope that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, that, this is the question. Because we don't know, she has no memory of what happened. And, and she returned, if you know, if you compare this to like missing 401 cases and the rare times that they do come back, Lucky for them, the ones that don't, you know, why do some get to return and why not right. others? You could say the same about alien abduction. And usually they either have no memory or they won't talk about it or they have trouble remembering piecing it together. Right. Do you think that like you've ever had an experience like that and you just don't even remember it? Like how many people have actually had an experience like that? And I think as a child. Been touched by this mysterious paranormal kind mm-hmm. of thing. I mean, it has this weird sense of familiarity to it. Just a story. It? Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that feeling of like when you're Lifetime's young. a long time too. And mm-hmm. when you're, you know, our age and you think back about five, six, yeah. there's life, there's who knows what happened this is back gonna, then. This is going to sound really weird, but when I hear these stories like this about being a kid and this thing luring you, I always get this sense of like being pulled back. I have flash memories of when I was a kid and then this feeling of something watching me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like That's that dark, co- mysterious uh, viewer. I guess, yeah. but I have these memories. Pull me back to when I was a kid. That's like, you know? I remember I've told the story in the show before that that day on Stonewood growing up, maybe five years old, that feeling of everyone arguing. Right, and all, right. Then all of a sudden the feeling that there were things outside the window looking in and feeding yeah. on that mm-hmm. energy, that negativity. I wonder if there's a relationship. There's a whole world of, there's more. You need sand. to find a different metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> sands of brains on like the ocean. sands in the hourglass. These are the mysteries of our lives. <laughs> That's good. I like it. Um, but yeah, now there is like this whole other... I think that we are constantly being interacted with yeah. by other dimensional beings. Like I think they feed, well, we've talked about this many right. times, but there's a lot of dark entities out there that, that feed off of us in many different ways. Mm-hmm. That's my perspective. Fuel. In your kid, you're just so vulnerable to that stuff. Oh yeah, yeah and you're a young fuel source. You right. know what I mean? Like it's, you're a na- nascent, nascent, is that the word? Uh, nascent iodine you are a prime untapped resource at that point mm-hmm. you know it's good oil I suspect you know? that, that we are amongst a massive cornucopia of interdimensional entities that are it's just like an ecosystem. in a sea of things exactly. that we can't see we only have so many senses you know I mean there's so much we don't know yet I really hope that there are just like 
uh, happy clown entities that love when we laugh <laughs> and they go. Pow, 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 pow. They feed on our they're joy. They're feeding on our joy. Oh, I like you that. Know idea. What I mean, they're just like recycling. Well, they're not <laughs> very good at their job. <laughs> they're not the as world aggressive. Is not a very joyful place, right? You're now. always hanging out with people taking mushrooms. That's what they're doing. Mushrooms. Isn't Isn't you get the giggle, the giggles. The giggles more with marijuana. I think. No mushrooms for sure. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Chris. Really? Giggles sometimes. But you start laughing, you can't stop. Yeah, sometimes. It's not really mushrooms. It's not more with marijuana. Probably. You let us know. Kids <laughs> listening to the show. Do we wouldn't know about All you that kids stuff. out there listening, you try it and let us know what you think. But not really. That mouse story was weird though. Right? Yeah. Again, feels familiar. It feels like just a night on Stonewood Street. Maybe that happened to one of us. I wonder what happened. Yeah. It could have been a alien abduction. It, dude, it, it, oh, absolutely. Well, we hear about screen memories and those scenarios, people who have hypnotic regression and, and recount mm-hmm. this sort of thing. If something with the mouse had something to do with like it putting her to sleep or something. Well, it's funny because he talks about, you know, what was going on in that time period in America, middle America, mm-hmm. why a mouse? And then it was like the the Disney club started with the mouse became more mm-hmm. popular. Uh, oh, yeah. There were a lot of animated mice that were becoming more and more common and different. I didn't write this down, but I mean, he does a really good job of illustrating why it might have been a good screen to cover because it was something that kids were being comforted by. With these, talking mice. Exactly. Maybe... The mouse bit her and it had sleepy juice in it. Sleepy juice. <laughs> and hence the missing time. <laughs> yeah. That seems the most logical. It's logic. But it does remind me, John, speaking of like, it feels like something happened to you. Uh, remember that time I was on break at Starbucks in Austin, Texas? Oh, and yeah. I was sitting behind my car and just sitting there and I felt like I was being watched. I looked over and I see this baby deer just like walking out of the trail by itself. Baby deer. So I get out. Uh, it's just, it's acting like... It was pan. Like nothing. Like it was just not scared of me so I went over I put my hand out gave me little licks on the hand I started petting it and that's weird I shit you not I'm like what do I do right now well it's dangerous for it to be out here in the parking lot so I walk with it back in the woods I, you know five minutes later I'm still walking through the forest with a baby deer what a weird scenario wow while you're on break at Starbucks yeah well, I was just on my lunch and, break was that Austin, Texas? Austin, Texas it was Strange. very bizarre you know my standard thought was maybe it had Jumped the highway with its family. It got separated and found itself in this, this small island yeah, of forest. Tr- it had to trust you to... But now I wonder, like, was, was it a screen? Was it something that was... <laughs> that could be. Creepy. That's, that's weird, very, very, very bizarre. unusual in a lot of different ways. Well, less happy of a memory. Deers are, like, programmed to run from humans. Yeah. You know? It just came up to me. Like, hey, little, hey, little guy. When I Put me on got that deer off the fence, it was like doing everything in its power to get away from me. And when it got stuck in the fence. It was like, <laughs> yeah. poor guy. Disturbing. It had a broken you know. leg. Was that what happened to that guy? Yeah, his leg was destroyed. Ugh. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Moving <laughs> on. Anyway, uh, do we want to do another story? And, and I like how he titles this chapter, Into the Arms of the Octopus. Hey, was that metaphor about the octopus? Yeah, some a discovery of a certain type of octopus will actually, as a, as a hunting tactic, will come up to a shrimp and take one of his tentacles, John, and he'll tap on the side of the shrimp. And so he goes, huh? And the shrimp will look one way and run away from that tap and into the arms. Party shrimp? Into into the other seven arms of the octopus. I just I like that it's a cool analogy to like what's going on here in a way. Like yeah. the like sleight of hand, mm-hmm. you know. Um, the lure and the trap. Exactly. Do you want to do another, a quick yeah. another story that relates to this? This one's shorter and maybe not quite the same phenomena, but I thought this was interesting. Who wants to read? I'll read this one. So this one, well, I called it Rick and Woody. Another great story from the book. Another seemingly sourceless voice made its presence known at 3 a.m. in Florida to an unsuspecting man named Rick. He had gone out to the back porch to smoke a cigarette. 
Rick sat in a chair enjoying the early hours of the warm Florida air when someone whistled at him. This was no cat call. <laughs> Rick's not getting a lot of cat calls. Uh, or ordinary whistle. It was none other than the theme song to the Woody Woodpecker show. Rick was completely alone and so didn't understand where the playful tune could have come from. Moments before, he was completely calm, and now he was absolutely freaked. He believed it was close enough that it had originated on his property, but he couldn't see anyone. In true Second Amendment fashion, he did the only thing that seemed natural in that situation. He went inside to retrieve his gun. Locked and loaded, Rick walked around the property, hoping to catch a glimpse of the mischievous whistler that disturbed the peace but he came up with nothing. Rick never responded to the whistle, so there was never any exchange between the two, and so that's where his story ended. Yeah, no no response, so maybe no interaction. And there's a lot of stories that... Like if he had responded to the whistle, maybe it would be different. And there's a lot of stories like this in the book that are where there's a little more interaction, but I like this one because that idea, well, first of all, relates to the mouse, kind of the screen kind of thing, in a way that's just animal sort of reminds you of a cartoon. Yeah. Um, But just that idea... The idea of someone whistling that at 3 a.m. on your property, you can't figure out where it's coming from. It's terrifying. Pretty freaky. It's always the 3 a.m. too. Mm -hmm. It's when the hours are thinnest. It's the demon hour. Mm -hmm. It's the fairy hour. Demon. Fairy. Demon. (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) No, it's not the same thing. Let me just say that him not responding is important, right? That's kind of the point that he comes to. Right. He discovers something that he thinks could be the best definition of what he experienced, the best kind of description of this entity in the, specifically from uh, India, yeah. Bengal. The point of that in that lore that we'll get to in a second here is why it's so important that he didn't respond because that's part of the lore of this entity that if you do, there are consequences and there are certain reasons that even today in that culture they don't respond to these things that they hear calling their name in the woods. Yeah, there's a lot of cultures that have that sort of connection, but going back to the idea of the lure and the trap, he hears this lure of the whistling, but because he doesn't interact, he's not caught in that trap. The trap is when you believe that that thing, whether it's a voice calling for help or a child in the woods or whatever, when once you believe that that is actually what it's the trying to pretend to be and you respond in that way, that's the trap. That's when you get... What? Hello? This is a courtesy call for AT&T and DirecTV customers. Okay. Is that the entity? <laughs> that's how, that's how they, Don't answer the call. That's how they call you now. You know, he does He does talk about that later in the book. Like, is it out of the realm of possibility to think that these things have adapted over time to our technology? If you get a call from the unknown, from an unknown <gasps> number, there are examples of people dying shortly after that. He said, this might sound far-fetched, but we can't rule it out as a possibility. Like, there could be some connection between the people that go missing or end up with unfortunate death related to a call, whether it's a voice in the woods or a telephone, which is interesting. You're I mean, it's AT&T a little out there, but... No, it's funny. I, this reminds me, I was, I was searching for other examples of this, and I, I searched something like ghost calls or something mm-hmm. like that, ghost calls. There reminds me of this phenomenon. People feel the, the phantom... Oh, yeah, The buzz. phantom ring or the phantom buzz. Like, they hear their phone when they don't even have their phone on them. They'll hear it ring. Or they hear a notification. Or feel a vibration. Feel a vibration in their pocket, but they don't even have the phone or the phone's off. Mm-hmm. What if that's a version of pan now? But how right? can it hurt? But it can't disappear into your own pants. Yeah. I mean, that's a ridiculous idea. Yeah, bad, Jeremy. Phantom rings. I was trying to relate it to people nowadays, okay? In our modern world? Yes, our modern world of technology. Yeah. I forget what we were saying before the call came in. Oh, you had a story, Jared, real quick before I get into his kind of revelation mm-hmm. that you found online. Yeah, I found a few online, actually. I found online a, a blog. We'll put this in the show notes. Do we have a blog now? I have this on there. We do have a blog, technically. We have one post. 
them in our show notes. We Why don't more. we use that more? <laughs> you don't do much for the show. <laughs> <Okay, don't. laughs> um, I'm kidding. He's always working. Working hard for you guys. So over his throughout his journey of trying to put a name to what he experienced, he looked at all these different accounts and they're in the book. We'll have a link to the book. Hard copy only, by the way, but worth it. But he looks at a bunch of different cultures from around the world throughout time talking about similar things. And he's trying to find like what matches this the most. And he's not coming up with anything that's really quite right on the money. This is pre-internet too, right? A lot of his research. Uh, for in the beginning, but he does, a lot of this isn't online. Right. So he's going to research centers. He's going to libraries. He's going to private collections. And he says, I would have never come across it what he was looking for. If I didn't find myself delicately flipping through the tattered pages of historical books that were moments earlier under glass, lock, and key, I found myself in a reference library with hundreds of intimidating stacks swelling with books on every subject. I knew that somewhere on one of its five floors in one forgotten corner, there had to be a blurb about what I was talking about. Finally, behind glass doors in a private collection, I found a book that contained a number of true horror stories among its feeble tan pages. Then the aha moment came forward when I saw that I was not the only intended victim. To my surprise, it was an old phenomenon. It is possible it has been around just as long as the others in our proverbial lineup. So he's talking about everything he's been going through in the book, all the different potential players that have been in the forest luring people in. And I was surprised to discover that it already had a name. They call it Nishi. So this is where he lands. This is where he thinks most directly relates to his experiences, this described entity in India. Right, this comes from West Bengal. The forests of India and West Bengal are full of terrible dangers, but inhabitants of the villagers teetering on the very edge of civilization and wilderness know that the real threat lives in what is unseen. Daily, area workers take their lives into their own hands, and traveling at night is out of the question. The ghost personification of the night is the Nishi, and it originates in these rural areas of West Bengal, and he says that even though India has many ghosts, the Nishi is the most feared. Like the king of the darkness. And why? Because it does exactly what his experience relayed. It lures victims into the forest, into secluded areas, calling them by name with familiar voices. Non-threatening. Like he experienced with his father. Exactly. Familiar voice. There's not much description to him other than, because they're always calling from a distance, but if they are seen, they're cited as being black as ink. Which, I mean, ties into so many things. Shadow this is people. a type of entity, not a singular right. thing. And again, this is what they're called in India. There are other places that have very similar, like it reminds me of, um, and he mentions the Orang Bunyi, which is in Malaysia. Those that you can hear but not see, but similar thing where they lure you in. Usually they're said to be like the people that have died in tragic ways lure you in to become one of them kind of thing. But it also reminds me, remember Silhouette? We talked about... Oh, uh, the purple socks. The, the purple socks the guy. colored socks. Basically, on the other side of the veil were these creatures that lived and tricked you once you were in the forest and would take you off into this nether realm, just like fairies, like we've talked about. Well, what's interesting like to me is that similarly to Missing 4 and 1, specifically with Nishi, you have these attributes like, um, like we covered some of the stories in our Missing 4 and 1 episode a while back where they search the area for this missing person and then they find him in that same spot, sometimes maybe wrapped around a tree or draped across a log where they'd find just piles of clothes. These are attributes specifically of the Nishi, like specifically here, what happens to you if you do get taken by a Nishi? One idea is that you're completely devoured. There's no trace left behind except for your clothes. Right. Another theory that if it gets you is that it can possess you and lead you to commit suicide, most often by drowning. Right. And how many MSC41 accounts end with a seemingly healthy person found in a, like a shallow water? It's like they walked into the water and then just laid down and, laid down and drowned. 
Victim scooped up, dropped on the tops of trees left to be discovered by searchers. This sound just sounds so similar to that. Yeah. Not to say that that's what is causing the missing 401 phenomenon, but it is definitely an interesting parallel, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, interesting stuff. So that's kind of where he landed on what was most likely the cause of his experience. An entity similar to this or this exact entity just maybe being more of a cross-the-oceans... Cross-cultural phenomenon. Right, exactly. And I think, yeah, the main point, that being the fuel for him searching for this thing, is that the fear in that question, what happened if I had went after the voice? Right. If I had allowed myself to be lured, taken into the woods, what would have happened to me? Yeah. And who knows? Like, I don't think... I don't think you can pin it down to one thing. I think it's like we talked about earlier, the sea of entities that might be out there that might be feeding off people, maybe in a very physical sense too, yeah. like this. Who knows what's out there? It's fascinating. We talked about the Glimmer Man. It all kind of ties together, and he does a great job of kind of bringing everything together, looking for an answer to his own experience. Um, but we should wrap it up with another good story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's do it. So this experience happens to Michael, who's 16 years old. He's living in Hillsborough, which is a small town in the southern part of New Hampshire, And this takes place in 2015, so not too long ago. Um, And very similar to Tim's experience, he's not tucked deep into the wilderness. Instead, he's in Hillsboro. It is bordered by woods, bordered by state forests and protected marshlands. So, And this is one of the things that makes this phenomenon so frightening is you don't have to be hiking the Appalachian Trail. You can be in your backyard if you're near a forested area. Okay, who wants to read this? I'll read it. Okay. What is it called? It's not your girlfriend, Michael. Okay. That's what I titled it. (laughs) I do have some stories that if we don't get to them, I might just tell them the expansion. But there's oh, cool. some, some more kind of interesting stories. Michael had taken his dog out behind the house to do her business around 10 p.m. It was something that he did nightly, but for reasons he couldn't explain, this night felt different somehow. As he strayed towards the woods, Michael had the unsettling feeling of being watched. Michael's dog must have also caught a whiff of something, because she too was on edge that night and showed slight apprehension to wandering too far from him. Michael's house was roughly 100 feet from the edge of the woods. In this case, the forest was not sprawling bushland, since it was divided by a trail of power lines running north to south for an indefinite number of miles. On either side of the large metal structures was forest, overgrown and untraversed. Michael stood there uneasy and watched his dog. It was then that he heard his name being called from just inside the edge of the woods in his backyard. Michael. Michael. To him, the voice sounded identical to his girlfriend's. At first, he tried to ignore it as his imagination. The voice called out again, and he froze on the spot. Michael. This time, his dog noticed it, cocked her head up, and remained still. This was all the evidence Michael needed to prove that this sound wasn't originating from his mind. At no point did Michael consider this to be his girlfriend hiding out in the woods, playing a joke on him. Now that this voice had his attention, it called to him a third time. Michael? At which point Michael took off back to the house. Michael said the voice sounded like a near duplicate of his girlfriend's, but with a higher pitch. Sounds like the first story. It said his name three times and steadily increased the pitch from start to finish, as most people would when asking a question. So at this point, he goes in to get his dad. He's freaking out. His dad says, you look white as a ghost. What's going on? What's wrong? Uh, he's like, Dad, I'm hearing what sounds like my girlfriend in the woods, but it's not my girlfriend. There's no way it's her. And he's skeptical, but they get flashlights. He goes with him. They approached the woods, but kept back a safe distance and shined the flashlight beam through the woods and then up into the trees. The night was eerily still, save for the trembling leaves. There were no forest noises at all. 
They could see nothing. Michael heard what he thought was his name again. His dad leaned in to listen, but decided that it was just the trees rubbing against each other that sounded like his name and couldn't help but laugh. As if on cue, the sound of laughter erupted from the shadowy woods. Pretty terrifying. It was in his girlfriend's voice again. It reminds me of like a witch or something. Yeah. They took a step back, clearly bewildered and creeped out, though neither of them showing it. Well, that's just dumb. You can, that's a time to be afraid. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Let your guard down. Michael's father calmly said they should go back inside. Son, I think it's time to go in. <laughs> okay, Dad. After returning to the house, Michael video called his girlfriend to talk to her. She had been home the whole time and not in the area. Michael is now much older, but does not go outside alone after 9 p.m. He hasn't heard any voices since, but the incident had a profound effect on him. Yeah, I bet it would. It does sound like a witch, John. Well, it's funny because, I mean, he has a section on that, too. He really does go in, Tim does go into detail on the different possibilities and really breaking things out in a really entertaining way, too. Yeah. I definitely recommend the book, Disembodied Voices, True Accounts of Hidden Beings by Tim Marchenko. Very cool. Uh, so... Do we want to... Yeah, Jerry, why don't you wrap it up with one story you found online? And then if you want to do some in the expansion, we can. But it's also a good one that relates to this phenomenon of the disembodied voice. Okay. The lure, the trap. Oh, man. Some of these are so funny. I guess I'll save some of these for... The expansion, by the way, it's not going to be about disembodied voices. But I, I'll save some of these for the expansion as like a little extra. Okay. In the expansion. The expansion, I figured, because gosh darn it, I am tired of the world right now. Winter? And I want... Winter? winter everything else that's going on yeah. in this stupid, stupid world it's right really- now. Stupid. I miss, uh, not faces. only do I miss people's faces, but I miss, uh, yeah, I miss sunlight and just f- like free feeling, good times. And mm-hmm. what better place to experience that than an amusement park? <laughs> so that's where we're going in the expansion. Oh, thank God. We are going to explore Weird. some theme parks. That's fun. What is it? I don't understand though. What's the topic? We're just going to be breaking down the roller coaster <laughs> heights. <laughs> And the uh, amount of joy you can the find design in each one. Of no, each one, there are, which actually would be a fun episode, but so not the, really. I like these theme ideas of the strangeness of certain places and areas, and of course, amusement parks has its own aura to it. Yeah, right? it's, it's a feeling. Sounds fun. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna explore some of the weird happenings that have happened at different places. Some of the lore. I behind. like it. I like it. Yes. You better some weird sign up for Patreon now because this is gonna be a good. Sign one. up to be a member. A member. Not a member, yeah, because we're going to ghost. We're going to ghost Patreon eventually. Yeah. And uh, start our own thing. But anyways, uh, yeah, check that guys out in the show notes. I think with the amusement park thing, why to me it seems such a creepy, specifically like abandoned amusement parks. Not that that's recovering, but the idea of a place like that that's overgrown and left alone, no one occupying the rides, things like that. I think what makes it so eerie is that it is now the exact opposite of what it was made for. Right. right. Joy, for, people yeah. celebrating. It's Now it's just decomposing mm-hmm. loneliness. It's just, and it's it's such just a contrast. an odd physical structure. Yeah. You know. Why are so many, there are so many amusement parks that are just rotting in places all around the world. There, like I'm for sure some reason they don't take them down. They're incredibly hard to, I mean, they, yeah, it's expensive can, just can you imagine how much it would cost to take it down? Probably mm-hmm. cost more than the land is worth in a lot of cases. Yeah. I mean, if it was in like California somewhere, they would definitely, but there's abandoned ones in Ohio that mm-hmm. it's just in the middle of nowhere. I think That's California true. has I think I have some banned ones too. It's possible. I'm sure it's incredibly expensive to yeah. take them down well, though. Chippewa Lake Park, that's the one that's been around yeah. our area in Ohio. Ohio. Yeah. yeah. But they're actually now turning that into, it's going to be called like Medina County Park. Mm. We actually have got oh, really? work to rebuild it into like a park. But I think they're going to- Not with rides though. They're going to keep the Ferris wheel, I think. Right. And some of the old broken down, it'll be like a historical 
Super That's interesting cool. places to visit, yeah. though. But we are going to be talking about some of the lore of ones that still exist, as well as some that are abandoned. Sounds or fun, haunted. though. I'm yeah. excited for Let's that. Let's escape, guys. Let's do it. Let's get some roller coasters. Let's escape to a scary amusement park. Yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna embrace the feeling we, of fun. Do we too. have to wear a mask when we go? No, not oh, on the yes. not in the bleeful. <laughs> it's a mask-free zone here. All right. Did you want to wrap up with one short story with a disembodied voice luring someone? One one thing quick I wanted to mention is if you emailed us or wrote us, we're doing our best to get back to everyone, but there's a lot of people that are writing into us now, so please don't take it personally if we don't get back to you right away. Right. And if it's something you really want us to read, try and resend it. We do get most of them, though, I think. Messages in general? Yeah. Yeah, we're going to try to streamline our intake, too, because we get stories from all different locations. So if you yeah. guys do have a story, definitely... Send it to our email, brothers at beliefful.com, or use the uh, the website to send a speak pipe or to use the contact form there. If you send it on social media and stuff, it's just harder to keep track of. Yeah, that's definitely places. true. But we thank you for just communicating. With it's us. just amazing how many people have had weird, weird experiences. Stories, man. Yeah, we're gonna have to maybe next episode do a listener story. Yeah, we're gonna have yeah. to just to keep up with it. Yeah, those are great. Those are a lot of fun. For Mom us. said, "When are you doing your next personal experiences episode?" <laughs> I like that. I thought it was got a ring to it. <laughs> On the next personal experiences episode, <laughs> listener stories. That just sounds like Hallmark heartwarming moments yeah, of the checkout counter. Someone lets you go ahead of them. Personal experience. <laughs> I like it. Okay, I guess I'll, I'll read this one uh, really quick. Uh, this comes from a man named Shane. We'll put a link in the show notes to these comments. Um, it's similar to the story we have here. That's why I thought, I thought I'd include it. There are some ones that are not as similar, but they're pretty hilarious. In 1991 or so, I was alone in my parents' house with my girlfriend. She said, I hear something. I told her it was probably the radio and shut it off. Got back into bed. A few seconds later, she says, I hear something. Then I say, it's the fan. So I turn the fan off. As soon as I get into bed... A voice came from everywhere and nowhere. It said my name twice. Shane! Shane! It sounded robotic. Oh, weird. That's that stilted thing again. Yeah. Sort of. She ran out and never came back. I lived there until 1996, and it never repeated. What the hell was that? Good yeah. question, Shane. Interesting. Sorry, you, uh, your girlfriend never came That's back. That's the over. thing in the trickster <laughs> thing. You just, they just want to have a laugh at you losing your relationship. Yeah. They are sadists. Mm-hmm. And maybe satyrs. Maybe satyrs. Maybe. So there, I have some more of these stories from the actual people I found online. We'll, keep, we'll save them for the expansion. Cool. Uh, but some of them are pretty We'd like to end it by just saying, um, he kind of wraps up this idea of what this thing was. This is from Tim. Call it what you will. Demon, Robin Goodfellow, Pan, Puck, or Rakashasa. For me, going forward, I will refer to it as the Nishi. I used to simply refer to it as the forest voice but this was both bland and unsatisfying. It was the Nishi, or the night itself. It was calling to me. It sounds like me and you, and the people you know. It's everywhere, and even when looking right at it, we cannot see it. It is quite literally the darkness. That was a good way to put Creepy it. Creepy note to end on there. Yeah, Chris. go with a buddy into the woods. If you're playing basketball, don't play by Use yourself. Buddy it's boring system. anyway. Yeah. Get a friend. Cool. Well, I hope you guys liked that dive into Tim's book and the concept of the disembodied voice, trying to explain those experiences people have. And there at the end, we won't get into it, but it really, he goes into detail on some really interesting missing 401 cases that tie right into this stuff. Yeah. Ones I find really interesting are the ones that relate to animals luring children into the forest. So definitely check out the book. Uh, maybe we'll get into that another episode. We do another missing 401. We can touch on those stories. Yeah. Um, but do we have another stinger, John? Yep. This one is uh, Stacy Lucanon. All right. And um, she works 
in the minds. That's right. Oh, she's yeah. uh, oh, how, how did she say it? Yeah, she, I was open, open mind, open pit. Heavy machine operator. Right. Is it Nevada? Is that where she's at? Minnesota, maybe. That's where she's from. I think they moved to Nevada. Oh, okay, that's right. Yeah. But anyway, so this is a a little stinger about the Tommyknockers. Ah, uh, yeah. We talked about them on our um, Little People episode. Actually, it was Percelsus <laughs> was the guy who. Well, when it comes to gnomes and stuff, he coined the term gnome, but. It ties into this idea of these creatures that live underground, specifically with Tommyknockers and with her job, with Stacy's job. I find it interesting because going along with the lore, the mining lore, the idea that there are these things that will warn you of an impending collapse. Yeah, they'll help us. Yeah, so the Tommyknockers, they knock on the walls. And the idea is, the lore is that they're warning you of a collapse that might come. And what I thought was cool is she said that her and her crew or whatever would leave sandwiches out for them. Right. Little gifts like, yeah, just, you know, keep us apprised of any potential collapses. And- I think there is some, uh, depending on who, who you talk to about the lore, some people think they could be either causing the collapses mm-hmm. or letting you know they're coming by knocking. Right. I mean, depending on your beliefs. Of course, obviously it could be, you maybe know, they're knocking, sounds Maybe of- they're knocking for food and then if you don't give it to them, then they, right. you know. Obviously, the uh, skeptical argument is obviously that, you know, you're hearing those sounds because there is an impending Shifting Shift going in a rock or something. But I like to think that there are little people and they're letting you know. Tommy knockers. Let's hear it. All right. <coughs> Stacy looking on, how was your day? Deep in the mines where we often play. Now we thank you for remembering us. A Tommy knockers lunch from the end of a sandwich. All that, my dear, will send you a warning. Spidey sense tells us to leave the cavern. Listen for sounds like a tap on the wall. That is us telling you that we are around now. Keep on listening to your favorite show. The belief hole is real and we truly know. Stacy la la la, Stacy la 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 la. That's awesome. Creepy. Uh, I hope she hears something like that in the in the mines. That's good. Nice. Did he say Spidey Sense? Yeah. Yeah, they have access to comic books. I was gonna say it was Tommy Knockers. (laughs) It's not based on reality. (laughs) You just said that they're real. I know. Belief holes real. I know what I said. That was great. Well, we hope you like that, Stacy. Stacy, thank you so much. Um. Should we mention the thing about yeah. we're going to put a hole in the stingers for now? We're cleaning up the backlog. I know we've said this a million times. Most people are done. We have Erica next we got a, week. We got a list. We got a list. We got a list. And we're going to wrap those up. So yeah. I think we're going to put a hold on them. On new ones. On new ones until we get this finished up and then we'll reopen it and maybe promote it a little yeah. bit more. So if you haven't heard yours, guys, it's coming up. Uh, have no fear. And then, But as far as new new stinger requests, we're going to put a hold on them and, and get to we catch up. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Uh, do we want to read patrons? Oh yeah, we got some new patrons to say thank you to. Awesome. We got, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Members dude. Of the expansion. Bring it, yeah. bring it, bring it. You guys are the water that makes our rivers flow. You, you are the white blood cells of our life. You are the lifeblood <laughs> of our show. You are the white knights of our OnlyFans you membership. Are the, you are the worms to our Do we have knights. an OnlyFans? No. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right. Jared, do you want to start? Sure. Ba-da-ba-da-ba-bo. Thank you to... Kyle Heron. Hi. Hey. Samantha Dick. All right. Jacob and Jessica. Hey guys. Hey guys. Cheyenne Smith. What's up, Cheyenne? Thanks for joining. Excellent. Max. Excellent. Yeah, Max. Thunder Mad Max. Tammy Andrews. Tammy. Yes. Hey, Tammy. Yes. We love you. You're always such a good person to us. Yes. Brian yes. S. Brian S. Brian S. Awesome. Stands for nope. super. <laughs> stands for super. Awesome. Abby Bagalar. 
Ba- sounds like a bagel. Sounds like a bagel. <laughs> I like that. Nikki E. Nikki E. Hey, e. Nikki Exceptional. Bob with a B. Nice. Michael Bob with a Bob. Awesome. He's a good guy. Glad he clarified that. Jacob Steele. Yes. Artist Steel. Steel metal. Steel my heart, Jacob. He's hard. Brady H. Brady Excellent. H. In the Brady. house. Brady's in the house. Yes. Spencer Shirak. Meshach. Bendigo. Cool. What's up, Spence? Hey, Spencer. Tammy Z- Ziomek. Awesome. Well, what? 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 Thanks, what? Tammy. Elena Stedman. Yes. Elena, yes. nice to see you. Yes. Nice oh, to be man. here with you. Yes. Greg Zidane. Excellent. Zidane? Yes, he's new. <laughs> yes, he is, as are all of these. <laughs> it's fresh. Finally, Thank you, Greg. Odin. 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 Ooh. He comes with his raven. The great Odin. Father of Thor. Welcome, Odin. Megan White. Yes. Hey, hey Megan. Great color. Greg? Uh, Harriet. Excellent. Harriet Tubman. Hey, Harriet. No, I can't Words from that, that movie. We're having that. trouble this time. I'm <laughs> <laughs> just saying the first thing that comes to my mind. Elise Botha. Botha? Yes. Botha. Is it Elise? Elise Botha. Awesome. Both of them. Welcome. Welcome. Elise Botha. I don't know what voice that was. I'm sorry. Andrea Pena. Hey, Andrea. Welcome, Andrea. Welcome aboard. Enjoy your place. Share it with your friends. Evan Gall. Yes. Evan, the, Ooh, the gall. gall of him to sign up. The gall of you. Your gall is You're right so on lame. point. <laughs> <laughs> Shayla Loya. Hi. Oh, welcome, Shayla. Sheila. Sheila. Ooh. It's Sheila. Sheila yeah. Loya. Yes, Shayla. <laughs> I don't know. Welcome I work with Sheila. Shayla. Yeah, but it's pronounced. It's obviously spelled know? Sheila. Did you speak with her? Shayla would be S-H-A-Y-L-A You don't something. know how people spell their names. I it do, gets, too. It gets crazy Sheila. out there. This is Sheila. Yeah, that's very obvious. Okay. Sheila Loya. Thank you. Not everyone is exotic, Chris. Okay, Logan LaCapria. Logan, welcome to the hole. Logan LaCapria. Thank you. I like that name, Logan. That's good. It's pretty. Is that a boy? What is that a boy? Logan. I think girls can be Logan. No. Only if you have a weird That's kind of cool. That's possible, actually. Yeah, Logan could. sounds Wolverine, kinda... right? Yeah, but you could it's be a pretty a... name. Aaron Boggs. Hey, Aaron. Aaron Boggs. We had a neighbor with your last name when we were young. A Cervantes. A Cervantes. Hey, A. That is yes. a cool name. Awesome. You're close to Cervezas. Cervantes. Why is it with Don Quixote? Who wrote that? Is that a Cervantes? Oh, this next name is interesting. Adelon Erie. Adelon Erie. Oh, Adelon. Idolon, probably Idolon. Might be Idolon. Idolon Neri. Welcome to the welcome to the hole. Cool name. Yeah, I like that name. Curtis Kearns, get in there. Get in the hole, Curtis. Get on in here. Stay in here forever. MJL, welcome. Oh, Mike, my good friend. Is that who that is? That's Mr. Mr. Michael J. Leonard. He's just now signing up. Yeah, a turkey. I don't think he really likes the show that much. <laughs> He's just being a good he friend. He just felt like I should probably do it. This He's point. like, I want to say. You know why he did it? He said he heard that we were in season three, and he was like. Oh, I guess they're going to keep doing it. <laughs> yes. Excellent. You guys will sign up. That's great. No, I love you, buddy. All yes. right, Kyle. Kyle, welcome. welcome to the whole Kyle. Yes. Kyle, your name backwards is Elak. Elliot Holmes. Ooh. I've got a mystery for you to solve. Are you the descendant of Sherlock? Wow. That's really bad. <laughs> All right, last name here, Chris. Sioban Fothel. Sioban Fothel. I wonder how many people have turned off. Like, I'm sure many. I've watched the analytics and it usually dips right here. <laughs> they're missing out. This is really fun. Sioban Fothel. Sioban. That's my favorite name so far. Does sound like a Mortal Kombat name, doesn't it? Cinnabon. Powerful name. Cinnabon. Welcome to the whole, guys. Thank you so much for being uh, being members of the whole here. Keeping us going. Love yes. you guys. Yeah. Awesome. to you. We're like clapping. Without happening. you, we would we'd we'd probably still do it, but it'd be much more sporadic. You're pursuing some sort of musical career, probably. Yeah, writing that's songs. true. We would be writing some more music. That's what we'd be doing. Okay, well, thank you guys. I hope you dug this episode. Check out the book. 
excellent, excellent read. Disembodied Voices, the true accounts of hidden beings. Crazy stories, man. Yeah, for we're, sure. We live in a weird world. We're going to get more crazy stories next time on the whole when we get into some more listener stories. That's going to be great. Real bizarre. We got some good ones next time too. And for you expansion members out there, Head on over, check out the Yeah, expansion episode. sounds super fun. I knew you'd like it, John. So we have, what, like 30 episodes over there? Mm-hmm. Untapped content for your ear holes. Yes. If you, if you need more hole and you've been thinking about signing up, now's the time to do it because we've got an awesome, awesome expansion coming yes. up in the, right now. Yes, right, right, right now. You can, you can right now, you can Click sign up and Click the link in the show notes. To this new episode about amusement parks. Doesn't have to end, Doesn't have Doesn't to end guys. Party can keep going. Yeah. All right, we love you. Party shrimp. Partnership will be there. Partnership will be there. Georgie, we saw you dance and you were really good. Georgie. She's a great dancer. Georgie. Cool cool video. You're very talented. All right, guys. Thanks for being here. All right. We love you. And we'll see you next time on The Believeful. You're welcome. Get it. Get it.